0: You're tuned into The Authentic Podcast, where we explore the transformative power of embracing the reality of Jesus Christ. As we embark on this journey together, we will navigate the depths of faith and discover the profound impact that Jesus has on our spiritual walk. In this space, you will find real and inspiring conversations about faith and how as a believer we should navigate the kingdom reality. We are excited that you are part of an adventure where authenticity and faith intersect. Welcome to The Authentic Podcast. Let's dive in. All right, guys, so let's dive into this teaching. I have no idea how long this is gonna run for, um, but I do have some background on Santa Claus, some historical background that I'd like to bring in and read. There's about a page um, of background history on who Santa Claus is, where he came from, and how in America we have like adopted this tradition of Santa Claus. So this teaching is called, Should We Celebrate Christmas with Santa? And this is just a Christian, a believer's perspective on Santa Claus. Um, So last year, the Lord really started to download a lot of information to myself and my wife about Santa. Um, Her and I both had some talks and discussions on just how we kind of got some weird vibes from Santa Claus and, um, God just really started to speak to me about who he is and who he's portraying to be and just the parallels, um, just how close it is almost to like a godlike figure. But we'll dive in, we'll dive in. And like I said, this is going to be a tough discussion for those of you who love Santa, for those of you who celebrate, um, him in your household with your family, but let's let's dive in before getting too deep. Let's define where Santa Claus came from and who he is. So there's a source online called Britannica, and uh, if you know the the original place that Santa Claus came from was a guy named Saint Nicholas. So in the church, there's different saints: Saint Mark, uh, Saint Matthew, Saint Peter. Um, they have all of these different saints. Uh, you know, the Bible talks about how we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, you know, and that's kind of like the saints that have gone before us. And we in the body of Christ are also called saints. Paul, a lot of times, addresses his letters um, to the saints who are in Corinthians or, or to the saints, you know, the believers in Jesus. But this guy, his name was Saint Nicholas, and he flourished in the fourth century I'm just going to read right from the source here, guys. This is right from Britannica um, on St. Nicholas. And ultimately, it's going to dive into how Santa Claus became and was adopted in North America. So St. Nicholas, who flourished in the fourth century, he was one of the most popular minor saints commemorated in the Eastern and Western churches and now traditionally associated with the festival of Christmas. In many countries, children received gifts on December 6th, which they dubbed St. Nicholas Day. He is one of the patron saints of children and of sailors. Nicholas's existence is not attested by any historical document. I just find that so interesting um, that there isn't like a lot on this guy, but yet there's so much on this guy. so nothing certain is known of his life except that he was probably bishop of Myra in the fourth century. And according to tradition, so this is just hearsay, he was born in the ancient, ancient Lycian seaport city of Patara and when young traveled to Palestine and Egypt, he became bishop of Myra soon after returning to Lycia. He was imprisoned and likely tortured. Once again, this is just more so hearsay than document, uh, like historical documentation. Because like there is stuff on St. Nick, but there isn't. Um, so it was released under the rule. Of, he was released under the rule of Constantine the Great. He may have attended the first council of Nicaea, where he allegedly struck the heretic Arius in the face. He was buried in his church at Myra, and by the 6th century, his shrine there had become well-known. And this is where it gets interesting um, for St. Nicholas. In 1087, Italian sailors or merchants stole his alleged remains. These guys literally took his body parts. Oh my gosh. They stole his alleged remains from Myra and took them to Bari, Italy. This removal greatly increased the saints' popularity in Europe, and Bari became one of the most crowded of all pilgrimage centers. Um, Nicholas's relics remained enshrined in the 11th century Basilica of San Nicola at Bari, and through fragments, um, though fragments have been acquired by churches around the world, in 2017, researchers dated one such relic fragment which is said to be a piece of his hip bone, um, from a church in the United States and confirmed it from the fourth century. So it dates right to the time St. Nicholas was alive in the world. Um, Let's see here. Nicholas's reputation for generosity and kindness gave rise to legends of miracles he performed for the poor and unhappy. He was reputed to have given marriage dowries of gold to three girls whom poverty would otherwise have forced into lives of prostitution, and to have restored to oh, and to have restored to life three children who had been chopped up by a butcher and put in a tub of brine. This is crazy. In the Middle Ages, devotion to Nicholas extended to all parts of Europe. He became the patron saint of Russia and Greece of charitable fraternities and guilds of children, sailors, unmarried girls, merchants, and pawnbrokers, and of such cities as Fribourg in Switzerland and Moscow. Thousands of European churches were dedicated to him. That's that's, that's, that's just wild. One built by the Roman emperor Justinian I at Constantinople, which is now Istanbul, as early as the 6th the century. Nicholas's miracles were a favorite subject for medieval harvests and liturgical plays, and his traditional, feast, his traditional feast day was the occasion for the ceremonies of the boy bishop, a widespread European custom in which a boy was elected bishop and reigned until Holy Innocence Day, which would be founded on December 28th. So this is, that was a little bit of background knowledge on St. Nicholas, and this is really where things start to take off for Santa Claus and how we in the Western world have adopted him. So after the reformation of the church, um, devotion to Nicholas disappeared in all the Protestant countries of Europe Europe except Holland, where his legend persisted as Sinterklaas, and that is a Dutch variant of the name St. Nicholas. So that name is Sinterklaas. Dutch colonists took this tradition with them to New Amsterdam, which is New York City, in the American colonies in the 17th century. So Sinterklaas was held on by the Dutch, taken, no, was held on by those in Holland, taken from the Dutch and brought to New York in the 17th century as Sinterklaas. Sinterklaas was adopted by the country's English-speaking majority under the name Santa Claus. So we go from Sinterklaas to Santa Claus. And his legend, and, and this is where it gets like really screwy, okay? But we're gonna dive into this. His legend of a kindly old man which was St. Nicholas, he gave to those three girls, kept them from prostitution, being butchered, put into a brine of acid. So this kindly old man was united with old Nordic folk tales of a magician who punished naughty children and rewarded good children with presents. So St. Nicholas, then when legend took his tales and just kind of started building churches around him, and uplifting him as like this awesome saint, which it's okay to honor people, um, but when we start building churches around them and stuff, I don't know, it gets a little dicey there. But they build a church, they build churches, many are devoted to St. Nicholas, they have a day set aside for him, St. Nick's Day on December 6th. He then, as legend says, the bones, the pieces of his bone is taken, things get stirred up again, and they start to celebrate him as Sinterklaas. Sinterklaas, brought over by the Dutch colonists, then became adopted in the 17th century as Santa Claus when they united this folklore of St. Nicholas and how he was a good, jolly, cheery old man who gave gifts and a magician, a Nordic uh, folktale it brought in a magician who punished naughty children and rewarded good children of presence. So that's who Santa Claus is. <laughs> Folklore and tradition mixed with magician who punished naughty children. And, and that's Santa. That's Santa. resulting image of Santa Claus in the United States crystallized in the 19th century. So it really sank in and took place in the 19th century. And he has ever since remained the patron of the gift-giving festivals of Christmas. So that is the background on St. Nicholas. And it just kind of segues into Santa Claus and talking a little bit more plainly about Santa Claus And this is from Britannica. This is just uh, a paragraph and a half here. This is right from Britannica. Santa Claus, a legendary figure who is the traditional patron of Christmas in the United States and other countries, bringing gifts to children. That's his role. His popular image is based on traditions associated with Saint Nicholas, a fourth century Christian saint. So that's exactly who we just brought up all of that old information on. Father Christmas fills the role in many European countries. Note, his name's Father Christmas. Oh man, I'm gonna get fired up on this stream tonight, I'm telling you. So Father Christmas fills the role in many European countries. The Dutch are credited with transporting the legend of St. Nicholas Sinterklaas to Amsterdam, New York, along with customs of giving gifts and sweets to children on his feast day, December 6th. Which we know that, but here we go. Santa Claus, this is if you ask anybody out on the street and they say and you ask them, who is Santa Claus? This is what they're going to say. Santa Claus is said to live at the North Pole with his wife, where he spends the year making toys with the help of elves. There he receives letters from children asking for Christmas gifts. On Christmas Eve, he loads his sleigh with toys and flies around the world, drawn by eight. Reindeer stopping at each child's house, he slides down the chimney and leaves the gifts, refreshing himself with milk and cookies left for him by the household's children. That is a lot of background information, and yes, it is crazy knowledge. Um, but I really wanted to dive deep into Saint Nicholas. Like, I always heard of the legend of Saint Nicholas, you know, he gave gifts to the children. Um, And in my ignorance, I didn't even recognize that he was a Christian. I didn't recognize that saint was just like St. Peter or St. Mark. He was St. Nicholas. So it was cool to dive into some background knowledge on another brother in the faith, another saint in the faith. Um, But I had no idea how we actually ever adopted Santa Claus. I was just like, oh, yeah, so there was St. Nick. He gave good gifts. And then we just turned him into Santa Claus. I had no idea that all of this was based on legends and myths and folklore and meshing a a saint in the faith with a magician who would punish naughty children and, and mashing, mashing that together into this image that is now worshiped for a solid month or so of the year. And some kids, some families, like they, they are required to quote unquote be good the entire year so Santa will bring them presents. So this this guy isn't just being highlighted December 31st or sorry 25th. Have a couple days floating around December 25th. Like he is not just celebrated on this day. He's celebrated year round. And that is why we're going to get into the segment of this podcast Should a Christian celebrate Christmas with Santa Claus. No. <laughs> no. Here is six, maybe seven reasons why we should not as Christians and as believers celebrate Christmas with Santa Claus. Number one, Santa is built on a lie. He is a promise of false hope. And I have a couple Bible verses to read here. Proverbs thirteen five, the righteous hate what is false, but the wicked bring shame and disgrace. So if the righteous hate what is false, why are we buying into Santa Claus? Revelation twenty one eight, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts. Well, hold on. Magic arts isn't Sinterklaas, Saint Nick, and um, this old Nordic legend of a magician? Isn't that meshed together into Santa Claus? Who practiced magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars? Oh, whoa. There's two in one here. If Santa is meshed with a magician and he's built on a lie, Here's the ending part to Revelation 21. Their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Whoa, that's not good. Proverbs 12, says, The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in men who are truthful. I think that it gets into a very dangerous area when we are proclaiming a lie and living a lie. And I know that it seems very innocent, right? Because Christmas is fun and Santa Claus and milk and cookies and going and getting pictures at the mall and sitting on Santa's lap and it's a whole experience. It looks very warm and very inviting from the outside looking in. But when you break it down and actually look at the core of this thing, you will see that it is rotten, it is built on a lie, that it is phony and God detests lying lips. So why are we lying about this? Oh, number two, reason number two, why as Christians we should not celebrate Christmas with Santa, Santa creates stumbling blocks. Santa creates stumbling blocks. When you tell a kid a lie and you build an entire holiday around that lie, you get them to write letters, set out milk and cookies, and participate in that lie. Not only are you creating a stumbling block, but you are leading them right into it. You are leading children right into that stumbling block. And there's a really powerful verse here in Luke. Chapter 17, verse 2 that gives a warning about stumbling blocks. Here it is. It would be better for him if a millstone as large as one turned by a donkey were hung around his neck and he were hurled into the sea than for him to cause one of these little ones to stumble in sin and lose faith. So, You are creating a stumbling block named Santa Claus, a whole tradition, a holiday based on good works, based on fear, based on a lie, a foundation that is built on sand. And you are not only buying into it, but you are having your kids participate in this lie. And we're going to get to a a number, a number six, which says it's a setup. And I just, I wanna scream that from like the top of the mountains right now. Um, But we'll go right off of number two about creating a stumbling block into number three. This is the number three, number third, number three. This is the third reason why Christians should not celebrate Christmas with Santa. Santa creates a work-based mentality. Following Santa is based on behavior. If you're good, you're going to be rewarded. If you are bad, you're going to be punished. It's works-based. It's, it's all on how good you are in your own flesh, how good you are in your own strength. And this is where a lot of religious doctrine comes into play. See, a lot of religion and other uh, religions like Islam and, um, well, Buddhism really just only allows you to suffer as little as possible. Uh, Jehovah Witness. Um, there's a bunch of different religions, which I'm failing to be able to mention at the moment, but it's all based on how good you are, how many deeds you have done, how many converts you have converted um, from Christianity to Jehovah, how many doors you've knocked on, how many Hail Marys you have said. There's so many things in religion that is based on how good you are or how many good works you have done. And the issue in those settings with those religions is they cannot assure your salvation. And you see, this is where Christianity is very unique and highly valuable. And out of all of the religions, it is the one that offers the most holistic, biggest bang for your buck, best price package deal um, out of them all. See, by grace through faith, we are saved. So it's on what Jesus has already accomplished at the cross of Calvary for us. We literally just, uh, Romans 9 says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, surely you will be saved. So all we have to do is step into the grace, mercy, and love that God has already given us through the completed works of the cross, Jesus Christ, the shedding of his blood on the cross. But Santa, other religions, it's based on good works. It's based on how good you can be throughout the entire year. And the issue is, how do you know if you have done more good than bad? And I know that might seem like a simple question. Like, well, I didn't swear a lot this year. I didn't get drunk a lot this year. Uh, I, I held open the the door for old ladies. I did a lot of like great things. You know, I did good things. I I, I fed homeless people down at the the homeless shelter. I I I gave the shirt off my back to you know. But how do you know that you've done more good than bad? Who is the judge of that? Who determines what's good or bad? And you see it becomes this works mentality like you're trying to do more good to outweigh the bad and you don't know how good the good is and how bad the bad is and if the bad's good or the good's bad. And and you're just, you're striving and trying in your own strength, in your own flesh, to please this fat dude who's fake and a lie, so you, you don't get coal, <laughs> which I don't know why you wouldn't want coal, because heating oil be expensive nowadays, but so you don't get coal in your stockings. It's just, it's works-based mentality. Yeah. Huh. I also have a grip that you are trying to make it on a list called the naughty or nice list. The reason why I have an issue with this is because it's very similar to the Lamb's book of life. In Jesus, um, there's a scripture when the 70 are sent out and they're healing the sick, casting out the demons, they're, they're preaching the good news. And the disciples, they come back and they're so excited that the demons were listening and obeying their name, or sorry, obeying their commands. And Jesus said to the disciples, do not rejoice that the demons are obeying your commands, but rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, which would be the nice list. So there's such a parallel here, a naughty, and nice. And you're like, yeah, but it's good. It's maybe pushing them towards Christianity. It isn't if it's built on a lie. Yeah, so that's very similar to the Lamb's Book of Life, having your name written in it for eternal dwelling with the Father or not, naughty or nice. And, and here's the thing about good versus bad, how much good you've done versus how much bad you've done, naughty or nice being good is nice being bad is naughty luke 18 19 this is jesus talking why do you call me good no one is good except god alone and he's saying here like he he still recognizes that he is god in the flesh but he's just telling the dude there's no other flesh that's good only like essentially only god is good so nobody's good And we know that in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, for it is by grace, God's remarkable compassion and favor drawing you to Christ, that you have been saved, actually delivered from judgment and given eternal life through faith. And this salvation is not of yourselves, not through your own effort, but it is undeserved, gracious, a gift of God not as a result of your works, nor your attempts to keep the law so that nobody, no one will be able to boast or take credit in any way for his salvation. So just paralleling, you know, Santa and what he preaches, we'll just say it plainly. This is, this is Santa's, I wanted to say Satan's, this is Santa's doctrine. This is Santa's religion and this is what Santa preaches and what he determines his followers, his, check this out, they're called believers. Do you believe in Santa? Do you believe in the Christmas spirit? Are you a believer? Just believe. And this is what Santa requires from his believers, that they are works-based, that they do more good than bad. And he's the one that determines if they go on the naughty or nice list. And he doesn't have a book of rules to tell you what goes, what doesn't. He might have a spirit, but it ain't the Holy Spirit, I can tell you that. Um, So let's get to number four, the fourth reason why as a Christian, we should not celebrate Christmas with Santa. Number four, it shifts the focus off of Jesus. It's so easy to get caught up in the season of buying gifts, looking at Black Friday deals, Cyber Monday deals, going to all of the stores, checking off lists for your nieces and nephews and wife and cousins and parents, and it becomes this money pit. It becomes more of looking at your bank account than the Bible. It becomes more looking at how perfectly wrapped the gifts are than how you have been setting yourself apart for Christ. It becomes about the gifts and not the, catch this, gift giver. My God, all good things come from the father of lights, not the festival of lights, not the father of Christmas. All good things come from the father of lights how is it that we focus so much on things of Christmas, but so little on things of God is giving bad. No, the Bible says that it is better to give than to receive. But how many times do kids cry when they do not get the gift that they've been wanting? And, and, and for a matter of fact, how many times do adults cry when they don't get the gift that they asked for or, or wanted? That's when our focus has been shifted from Jesus one to gifts. Because Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Family and tr- tradition, they start to become idols. But God said, you shall have no other gods before me. Which brings me to number five. The fifth reason why you should not celebrate Christmas with Santa as a believer. Santa is an idol and has godlike characteristics. For this uh, number five, I want to break down the song um, Santa's Coming to Town. And we all know the lyrics. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. He's making a list. He's checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty or nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So be good for goodness sake. I want to break this down. I want to tear into this because this is Santa's mantra I mean, everybody who believes in Santa or Christmas spirit, they know this song. Even if you don't believe in Santa, you know this song. But these are truths. These are things that we accept as fact about Santa and we buy into and feed. So you better watch out. Why why are we watching out? Why are we telling our children, you better watch out? Because you're instilling fear into them, you're saying, you better watch out, because if not this, then that. Matthew 10, 28 says, do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Santa wants you to fear him. But God wants you to fear Yahweh, God, the creator of the universe, we need to fear, have a healthy fear of the Lord. But fearing Santa instills the wrong kind. And 1 Peter 5.8 does tell you to watch out. It says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. All right, Santa, maybe we should be watching out for you. Maybe you are on the prowl like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour under the guise of jolly old Saint Nicholas. You better not cry. Why, why, why are we telling our kids you better not cry? This is a workspace thing. Like if our kids are having a breakdown or something that's going on, they should be allowed to express emotions in a healthy manner. They should be allowed to cry. Ecclesiastes 3, Chapter 4. Um, It says there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. There's a time and a season for everything, including crying. Check it out. There's a time and a season to weep and a time and a season to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to refrain from embracing. This is just so demonic. Like you have to see this, that these truths that we accept as facts of Jesus, you better watch out. You better not cry. And we just make it sound so cheery. And I'm going to tell you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. No, he isn't. <laughs> he isn't coming. But Santa is a lie. Hebrews 9.28 does say, So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time not to deal with sin but to save those who are eagerly awaiting for him and it gives us false hope this false promise santa claus he he just he's it's like we're waiting on him we're expecting him to come on christmas night to give us gifts for christmas morning and we're waiting and we we're saying he's coming but he's not it's a false expectancy it's a hope that we should be placing in Jesus Christ. It's an expectancy that we should be having for Holy Spirit to move in our lives. He's making a list. What list is he making? I'm telling you. Revelation 3, five, The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments. And I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Jesus says, if you believe in me, if you conquer this world through your trust and faith in me, through my grace, the pouring out of my blood on the cross, I will never blot out your name. And I will shout it to my father and I will shout it to the angels. But Santa, yeah, you better be careful. He could one day have you on the nice list. The next day you're going to be on the naughty list. And it starts to set up this system in a kid's mind that when they try to adopt Jesus into their lives, they're going to be trying to be good when he says, I have forgiven and forgotten all of your sins. You see how dangerous it is to incorporate Santa into your family's lives as a believer in Jesus, because the similarities are eerily similar, but they're full of deceit. He's checking it twice. (laughs) Jesus is coming back a second time, huh? He's going to find out who's naughty or nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. He sees you when you're sleeping. Now, come on. If you're a five year old, six year old, eight year old kid, and this guy can, this old guy can see you when you're sleeping, how creepy is that? Once again, you're giving the wrong impression of this godlike character. First of all, you're saying that he knows when you're sleeping. How is that? How can he know when every child is asleep in the world? So you're saying that he's omnipresent, just like God? You're instilling fear into children. It's not good. All right, let's continue on here. He knows when you're sleeping. Psalms 139, verses seven to 10 says, "'Where shall I go from your spirit?' "'Or where shall I flee from your presence?' If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. He knows when you're sleeping. God does. Satan doesn't. Satan's limited. He can't be. He's bound to time. And his time is coming. It's fixed. God is unbound from time. He's outside of time. He can insert himself anywhere in time that he wants. He's everywhere at once. He's omnipresent. Omniscient. All-knowing. Everywhere. But isn't it funny that this Santa, this idol, this godlike figure, wants to look like God? Be like God? Hmm. I heard of a character in the Bible one time who wanted to be God and be like God and be worshiped like God. And he, he got cast out of heaven. What was his name? Hmm. And he knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. Why are we going to be good? For goodness sake, huh? Once again, instilling wrong motives and reasons to be good, quote unquote good. Galatians chapter five, verse one says this. It was for this freedom that Christ set us free, completely liberating us. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery, which you once removed. This is putting off the old man and not the new, or putting off the old man and holding fast to the new man. We are currently and should be working on sanctifying ourselves, setting ourselves apart, consecrating ourselves to the Lord. Why are we quote unquote good? It's because we're spending time with Jesus and the Holy Spirit is transforming us from the inside out. It's not the outside in. It's I'm not going to pick on my sister anymore. I'm going to wear these certain clothes. I'm going to say these certain phrases. You know, I'm I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to smoke. I'm not it, those are all outside things. Santa Claus promotes behavioral modification. But Holy Spirit promotes transformation and renewing of the mind. Inside out, not outside in. So once again, it's just giving this twisted concept of worship of sacrificing to this idol i mean come on what what is what is milk and cookies it's not a gift it's a sacrifice oh boy number six i feel like there might be a bonus number seven or eight coming The sixth reason why, as a believer, you should not celebrate Christmas with Santa. It's a trap. (laughs) It's a trap. Santa is a setup. If Satan cannot create on his own and he is a copycat of the things of God, if Jesus is the door, Satan is the trap door. Come on, somebody. Number six, Satan, sorry, Santa <clears throat> is a setup. He is a trap. Because the foundation of Santa Claus, the Christmas spirit, every the elves, the toys, the North Pole, everything revolving around it, the milk and cookies, tracking the reindeer, all of that stuff. Because that foundation is built on sand, it will ultimately crumble. Luke 8:17 says all that is secret will eventually be brought into the open and everything that is concealed will be brought to light and made known to all. That's a promise folks. That's right in Luke chapter 8 verse 17. And if you are lying to your kid, he or she he or she will find out that Santa is a lie. He's a fraud, he's a phony, and he is a fake. All of this elaborate planning with the stockings and the coal and, you know, Santa footprints outside or reindeer bell jingles, you know, or whatever ploys and plots and schemes that you have done to get your kid to buy into this lie it's all, going to cr- become, it's all going to crumble down one day. And here's the sick part. You know it. You know that this lie is going to come to a halt one day, and they are going to be devastated. You're going to lose their trust. They're, not going, they're going to be more susceptible to not believe in Jesus. Because if this elaborate scheme, this plan the story was told and made up about Jesus and we do all of these activities and we're good for him and we, and we do all of this stuff. Well, that's what Jesus wants. He wants you to do all these activities and be good for him. And there is a story about him and, you know, and we take communion, we give him cookies and it's like, there's all these parallels and they're like, if, if, if Santa wasn't real and the Easter bunny wasn't real and the tooth fairy wasn't real, then why is Jesus Christ? why, Why is he real? It's a trap, it's a setup guys. Santa, the lie, will be exposed and found out. Children will grow up believing and hoping in something so much that they serve Santa, only to find out he isn't real. Santa tries to have children getting more of the Christmas spirit, when they should be getting more of the Holy Spirit. It's not good guys. As a believer in Christ, you should not be celebrating Christmas with Santa. And here's a bonus number 7 and I'm going to throw in a bonus number 8. You're going you're going to really if you love Jesus, you're going to be pretty ticked off about number 8. Here's number 7. Here's bonus 7. If you rearrange the letters in the word Santa, you get Satan. Come on, folks. I mean, it's only a couple letters away, or like a rearrangement of letters to literally spell Satan. I, I mean, it could be a coincidence. Maybe. I'm I'm not crazy though on this. I mean, he literally is on full display. Look in the school systems. Look on the news. Look at the Super Bowl. Satan, look at your, your Travis Scott and, and other crazy concerts where they're literally doing devil worship on the stage. Satan is in and on full display. So why wouldn't he want to be worshipped in a godlike manner? Celebrated almost year-round, looked up to as this awesome thing, but built on a lie. Satan is the father of lies. You might as well, instead of calling Santa the father of lights, you should call him the father of lies. Or the festival, instead of it being the festival of lights, it should be the festival of lies. Because God is the father of lights. Folks, how much more in your face does it need to be? All right, here's bonus number eight. And I was debating about throwing this one in here because this one, it it really irks me when I saw this. Uh, Santa's sleigh is pulled by eight reindeer. And it's something that kind of hit me in my spirit as I was learning about Santa and going through and just researching St. Nicholas. And I asked Holy Spirit, I was like, "Why? why eight? Because Satan's a copycat. And I know that there is eight uh, reindeer pulling Satan's, sorry, Santa's sleigh. (laughs) Why? Why is that? And he said, well, look up the reference of number eight in the Bible. So I looked it up. And here are a lot of different events and facts and things that are attached to the number eight in the Bible. God saved eight people on the ark in order to have a new beginning. So a lot of times eight represents new beginning. Hanukkah is celebrated for eight days. There are eight Beatitudes in Matthew 5. Jesus revealed himself eight times after the resurrection and before the ascension. The New Testament was written by how many? Eight men. Abraham had eight sons. The word blessed is found eight times in the King James Version in Proverbs. Do you want to know? why Santa has eight reindeer pulling his sleigh, he's mocking Jesus. He's literally making a mockery of Jesus. And when I found that out, and just how significant the number eight was, and to know whose sleigh was being pulled by eight magical creatures it just kind of tore me up inside um yeah guys uh so satan he loves to be worshipped he's the father of lies and he's very deceitful nothing good is found in him it is his nature to lie and to deceive and to take people off of the real reason of christmas to take people off of Jesus. His focus is always on himself, nothing else. And Santa is just another one of his schemes, another one of his ploys. And he has people from all over the world worshiping, sacrificing, giving to Santa, literally shedding blood, sweat, and tears over Santa. Fighting people for gifts. Do you remember seeing the Black Friday, like the rage and just the animosity of people getting ran over? Like Santa, not good, guys. Like, and and at the core, like we talked about who Saint Nicholas was and who this Nordic magician who punished kids was. And how they mash them together. And from Sinterklaas, he became Santa Claus. And this is who we worship on Christmas. We spend all day talking about Santa. And the elf on the shelf. And elves. And did the reindeer come? We spend all day talking about Santa. And giving gifts. And who's this from? Oh, it's from Santa. And you spend maybe an hour in a church for a service, but you're rushing out of there to go spend time and eat meals and celebrate Santo for your family. All day, all month, almost all year, depending on how serious your family is about Santa Claus and keeping that lie running, you worship him. God, I need to tell you this, guys, and you know this, God is a jealous God. God says, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall have no other idols before me. And I'm just, I'm here to sound the alarm, folks. Santa has been an idol for way too long. Since the 17th century, crystallized in the 19th century. But we as America, as the world... been buying into this lie for way too long and i challenge you as a christian as a believer not in the spirit of christmas or a believer in santa but as a believer in jesus christ who is eternal and who takes these things very seriously he despises liars guys he's so clear about that it doesn't matter if it's a white lie a little lie a tiny lie A, a tiny lie is just as evil and deceptive as the deepest and darkest lie. A lie is a lie. There's no truth in it. Even if it's a half truth, it, it, it's still a lie. So, guys, I just I, I really encourage you and employ implore you to take a look at your relationship with Jesus. Take a a look and and ask Holy Spirit. Should my household, should my family be celebrating Christmas with Santa this year? Ah, guys, I I know that this teaching has come from the Lord, and I, I know the answer. I know he's going to say no. He's going to say, throw that thing to the curb, send it back to hell where it came from. But the issue is some people, they don't want to ask that hard question to Santa sorry, to God about Santa. Should my family be celebrating this? And you just shouldn't be. He really shouldn't. It's a lie. It's built on lies. It's going to come crumbling down. And it's not that much of a stretch when that child finds out that the tooth fairy isn't real, that Santa isn't real, that the Easter bunny isn't real. He's going to say, then why is Jesus real? And if you're in a place where you're not manifesting the power of God, if you're in a place where Holy Spirit isn't moving through you and touching people and you're not seeing demons get cast out and people get healed and prophetic words hitting and dreaming dreams and having visions, and I'm not saying you you have to have all of that, but you should see some evidence of that in your life. At the end of Mark, it says, these signs will follow those who believe. They will speak in tongues. They will cast out demons, they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover recover. They will handle serpents and drink things um and and not fall drink poisonous things and not fall ill. Like if you're not seeing some of this fruit in your lives, I just I, I have to ask, like, what are you believing? It says these signs will follow those who believe. And I think it's because we're believing in silly things like the Christmas spirit and santa that we're not seeing these things made manifest in our lives so there was seven eight you got some bonuses at the end there was eight reasons why as a christian you should not celebrate christmas with santa in your house yeah i call you guys blessed in the mighty name of jesus you are the head and not the tail Be led by the Spirit. Those who are led by the Spirit are sons. Be a son. Be a daughter. See Christ. Ask Holy Spirit to lead and guide you. Because he will. And he'll guide you into all truths. And he's going to tear down and expose all lies. Including Satan. Santa. Satan. I don't know. They're so close together. It's it's tough. I love you guys. I know this is a tough word find encouragement in it because there's good stuff there God loves you and he's jealous for you he's so impassioned for you and passionate about you his thoughts for you are as countless as the stars or the grains of sand on all of the beaches in the world he's the one that you'll spend eternity with get to know him believe in him, celebrate him love him because you are already loved by him. Bless you guys.